Hi, this is Wendy Whalen. Thank you for joining us on New Combinations. So I want to welcome three incredible artists from the New York City Ballet. Craig Hall, tell us a little bit about yourself here. Hi, yes, I'm Craig, and I am a repertory director here at the company. I work mainly with Justin. I am a part of this uh, new creation, standing there with him, collecting the notes and giving my ideas. Wonderful. Chen Wei Chan. Hi, my name is Chen Wei Chan, and I'm a principal dancer with New York City Ballet, and I'll be performing Justin's new work. And Craig Baldwin. Yes, um, I'm a company pianist with New York City Ballet, and my job is to make the transition from the studio to um, the orchestra run-throughs go smoothly, and hopefully they will. <laughs> Wonderful. I keep calling this a project, this Copeland Dance Episodes by Justin Peck, which is going to have its premiere on January 26th, because it's not just a piece. It's numerous pieces linked together. So when I was writing notes, I was writing project. Do you look at this as a project? Craig Hall, you've probably been with it the longest from the inception. I think I would think of it as a project and an experience. That's the word that I would put in there. This is a um, rodeo, which was the very first section of this, which was choreographed in, I believe, 2015. It is um, the beginning of this uh, trilogy. And then we will move into Appalachian Spring, and then into Billy the Kid, which are two brand new creations for Justin. And the project part of it is um, we started rehearsals a long time ago building this, and we've also had some special time where we could just work on it, just the Copeland, um, this Copeland project, which is what we keep saying. So it's a bunch of uh, mini pieces that we're structuring together. And it's just, yeah, it's bigger than just any ballet or single ballet. Not that we have amazing ballets that are part of our rep, but to um, do it in this form, in this format, I think is, is new for us. And we've tackled it like this is a, a major, it's a major project. So, so yes, it is. It's a project for me, for us. This composer, Ned Roram, stated that Aaron Copeland stressed simplicity, and there's a quote, remove, remove, remove what isn't needed. Aaron brought leanness to America, which set the tone for our musical language. Thanks to Aaron, American music came into its own. So very much like Balanchine in, in his work on Apollo was strip away and take it to its essence. So another idea that really goes with our idea at New York City Ballet. I think Justin does that too, though, mm -hmm. doesn't he? Mm -hmm. To strip everything to its essence. I think everything is very, maybe it's why he connects with Copeland so well. Everything's very clear, and you, you know who you're looking at and, and when, and it, nothing's too fussy. I, I know with um, as part of my job is to ha try to put counts to the music, or, or attempt to, and a lot of times Justin's like, no, you don't really need those at all. Let's just let's make it natural, and let's make it flow, and, and then we'll let Craig Hall deal with the counts later. <laughs> and I run to Craig Baldwin because I want to create structure within the chaos. But uh, what you just said, too, there was a section that uh, Chun Wei, you did yesterday, the exit of one of the pas de deux, and he said, this is way too choreographed. I need to strip this down. This needs to have a more like uh, natural feeling. And he 
to start it slicing things uh, to a much clearer, energetic in a way, and purer uh, finish, which is exactly what we're talking about now. I've been reading a little bit about Appalachian Spring, and originally some of the characters were like Pocahontas and the story of Uncle Tom's Cabin and Fugitive Slaves. And it's interesting because I feel like Martha Graham turned it into something more abstract with the main characters being the husbandmen and the bride and the the quintet, the followers, the revivalist. Um, So in a way, it was kind of heading towards abstraction from the start. Appalachian Spring did that. Appalachian Spring did that, yeah. What are the pieces that we're going to be seeing within the Copeland Dance episodes? Uh, Billy the Kid, which was 1938, and then Fanfare for the Common Man, which was 1942, and um, Rodeo, which was 1942, and then Appalachian Spring was 1944, premiered at the Library of Congress. So that's the most kind of advanced work, I guess I would say, out of the the four. Amazing. Um, Yeah, and I did find some really interesting trivia to add to this, Copeland, that I don't know if Justin knows this, but the very first performance of Billy the Kid was played on two pianos, and one of those pianists was Walter Hendel, Susie Hendel's father. No. He was the wow. first pianist to ever play Billy the Kid in, in a performance. And also, Kirstein commissioned Billy the Kid for Ballet Caravan, which was the nascent form of New York City Ballet, Eugene Loring. So Kirstein commissioned that music from Copeland. And I just find it really interesting that Copeland is in the same time of history as Balanchine, Stravinsky, and all these people that are so important to us at New York City Ballet, and they have this theme of stripping away and this kind of almost a wartime. And they bring in folk music and they add it to their work. Can you tell me a little bit about that idea of with the different pieces of music that we have, rodeo, billy, in Appalachian Spring, there's like cowboy songs that are brought in. And that was something new at the time that these composers were doing. I, that's what I seem to read. Well, I actually heard Kirstein slipped Copeland a bunch of books of cowboy songs. So he might have been responsible for all of this. But just from what I've read, I feel like it was wartime. You know, we were trying to find like a national identity. And um, Copeland was also uh, Lithuanian. So I think they were trying to find uh, like an American spirit in, in the music and bring people together like in a community using these kind of standard songs. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. And making it palatable to more people and entertaining. Chun Wei, Justin is building Appalachian Spring on you as a dancer. Yes. How much work have you done with Justin Peck? And I know that when you were coming to New York City Ballet, Justin was like, I know John Way. He's amazing. Da-da-da. So what's your history with Justin? So I met Justin when I was in Houston. The first ballet we did, actually, Craig uh, was also there. That uh, helped us to learn Year of Rapid first. And then he made a creation on us that was um, Reflection. And there was a commission ballet that's uh, set on Houston Ballet. And it just like changed my way to dance, changed my uh, thoughts about dancing. It's not about how many periods you do, how high you jump. It's more about how you express throughout the movement with the music. 
and I find it very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And and then I joined New City Ballet after that. So you've never done rodeo per se? No, I was in Houston for ten years. They do have rodeo there, and so whenever I saw the clip online, I was like, I want to see this ballet, and it was so much fun to just watching it. A lot of guys on stage they were moving very fast. Um, a lot of interesting movement, running around, jumping with super fast speed. I was like, oh my god, I don't know if I can do that. And now it's like being a part of it is very magical. It's like, okay, it's great, it's fun. There's a lot of energy between us that we just like through our movement and like connection. Yeah, it, it's very fun to be in this project. So to work with Justin, you've worked with him. A number of times, even here now at New York City Ballet, what is he like as a choreographer for you as a as a dancer at the level that you're at? Like, what does he bring out of you, and, and what does he stir up in the room? How, how would you describe him as a choreographer? Yeah, uh, a lot of time he will give you an idea, and also he will have uh, many steps that he already created before he gets into the room, and then we would try to learn something out of him first to copy to. Repeat, and he will also, if he uh, sees something that's uncomfortable, he will change to until you feel comfortable, and he have a lot of room uh, to let the artist to uh, explore in their own way. So I think it's a collaboration of creation, mm-hmm. and yeah, with a Copeland in this character that I'm playing, he has a very strong personality, mm-hmm. and the first movement he was just saying yesterday, it was a. A little bit of um, big energy with some of anxious feeling because every movement is so fast, music is quick, and suddenly the second movement is like slowing everything down. Mm-hmm. It's just a transition from like um, a bright day to dawn to evening. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of story in this character that I'm still exploring. Mm, amazing. You talk about this sort of transition of like day to night to morning to. And I watched one rehearsal, and I it wasn't the whole piece. It was rodeo a little bit into Appalachian Spring, but I felt that so dramatically. I felt like I was really traveling, like I was in my family's big old station wagon traveling ca- cross-country. I felt like I was seeing different planes and different landscapes. And tell me about that choreographically between the two of you, Craig and Chun. That's the story, and we're kind of reacting with that. There's one section, the second movement in rodeo, the transferring from this high energy to um, something that's a little more mellow. The one visual that he did give, uh, it's five uh, five dancers and their tumbleweeds. And so they're traveling, they're constantly orbiting around each other, using each other. Sometimes one person, which... Uh, uh, Chan Wei is the one who I think initiates kind of like the wind or the movement and then everyone else attaches to him. And then at times he's in another position, but they're all somehow moving, but they can't move unless they're all connected. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of my favorite sections. But you see the transitions within rodeo and then you also see it as rodeo transfers into Appalachian Spring, as it transfers into Billy the Kid. It is this um, episodic journey, you know, I think that he likes to call these um, these each section. It's like watching a, a short episode of something, you know, a series. This mm-hmm. is a series and he really wants us to binge watch it really, you know, <laughs> and um, just uh, just enough to get a taste of something. But it is addictive and it 
get you connected and wanting to continue to watch the next episode until you get to the end of it. So um, even with the costumes, too, I think um, a former New York City Ballet dancer, yeah. Ellen Warren, is creating the costumes. And um, in addition to what we did with Rodeo, so the costumes are changing, but the color schemes and um, how everyone is connected but all different it is like a horizon you know there's never or leaves on a tree different shades exactly as the tree is changing through the elements yeah exactly like and if you take two like um from afar they all connect but if you were to take two and study them they're not the same mm-hmm. and i think that that's beautiful of what justin sees in each individual dancer you know chan Wei said something about um he creates and he likes to work with the dancers and he'll see what they can do and adapt to what they can bring. But a lot of times we were just talking about this the other day about um, changing a step to accommodate a dancer. But I think that's kind of like at the last moment where he really wants to challenge them because he sees in his head, mm-hmm. I know this person can do it. And then maybe there's a slight shading to it. Mm-hmm. But I think he um, just laughing at at this because it does take it takes a lot for Justin to really bend the movement to change it from what he had originally had in his head because he wants to push the dancer to the yeah to the final I, I noticed that in, also in that rehearsal I saw I think five women our tallest strongest women have these moments of daring that he gave them where I'm not going to give it away what they do but it's a challenge, yeah. and they all face this challenge, and watching them face the challenge, each one individually, is so super exciting yeah. and so beautiful. So I, I, I see what he's seeing and pushing these dancers and having them do almost trying to do a miraculous feat on the stage, yeah. one at a time out there. It's like. Is very, very exciting, and I don't think I've seen that before. No, well, individually, I think that one person would try and quickly, you know, it's like, oh, I can't do this, or I don't think I can do it. But collectively, once they saw their teammates do it, I think we are pulling on one another to get ourselves up. And I'm saying me because I am a part of the process. But as I see the dancers, it's, you know, you're climbing up this hill, you're climbing up this mountain, and you can't do it alone. And so I see this... um, this energy that's continuing to grow with each person that participates. It's like moving a, flipping a truck on its side. You know, if you have everyone connected, then we can have some movement there. Or we can have some power. So you you were right about that. Yeah. And this is just one viewing that. I, but I was so drawn in, and I felt so, I felt such a connection and a an idea about each section that I was seeing. I can't wait to see more of it because I really haven't seen much of it. Tunway's entrance in Appalachian Spring, I think, is so beautiful. And um, one thing um, we did musically, just kind of naturally, is when you enter, the tempo just drops and it gets very slow. And it feels like a new we're in a new place because of that tempo drop. And we also added a big repeat there on your solo. And we took out the flute. There's a little flute solo that used to be there. And now it's just strings. So it just really feels like the whole floor, I feel like, drops out and, and we see you uh, in a new way. And it's also interesting because in Rodeo, in the first movement, too, when Sarah Mearns enters that character, we also drop the tempo, too. I don't know if this was conscious, or, but it just kind of worked out that way. So whenever the main characters enter, there's kind of a change in our interpretation of the music. Hmm. 
uh, very interesting to hear because uh, whenever I dance um, the Appalachian Spring, it's like I feel I'm in a different world from rodeo. And it's like I'm traveling in a journey from a rodeo into a new world. And every time when I hear the music, it actually connects with the movement and it's very satisfied from the beginning mm -hmm. of it. And then I'm not giving too much. Um, um, this character actually find something that brightened up his whole world. And it's a whole story. And whenever I'm like dancing or watching this piece, it's like I'm watching a movie <laughs> with the m movement without any, you know, prop or like um, special technology to make it interesting. But the movement itself, it tells a lot of story. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited to see how Justin and all the dancers and the music going to bring a new project on the stage. Going back to the movie idea and the binging of the series idea, we have to tell the audience to go to the bathroom before they watch this ballet, right? <laughs> so make sure you um, drain your bladder um, because there's no intermission. It's four sections of amazing Copeland music. Is it 80 minutes long? Mm -hmm. All right, so uh -huh. you're gonna sit for 80 minutes and watch this journey and um, be enthralled, but you wanna have a simple bladder. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yes. You don't wanna miss anything. You don't wanna miss anything. Yes, yes. Um, and there's an idea that I wanted to bring up with Craig Baldwin. I read that um, Copeland went to Paris and studied with a mentor named Nadia Boulanger. Mm -hmm. And she changed his life because she opened up his world to new music. And he became very excited about more kinds of music rather than just those, the old Russian classics that he was learning. She also taught him about the grand line or the long line and about building that thread through the piece and taking it so that you have that journey forward, taking the forward motion. And, and that feeling is very much within all of these sections together and how they blend from fanfare blends right into rodeo, which blends right into Appalachian Spring. Musically, how does that work perfectly? <laughs> it's kind of amazing that it does work, actually. Like, we were, I think we were all surprised, like, when we finished rodeo and we went into Appalachian Spring and it didn't feel jarring. One thing that's very interesting, the ending of Rodeo has these three notes, like bump, bump, bump. And the beginning of Appalachian Spring has these three notes that are like bum, bum, bum. Beautiful. And, wow. and Justin noticed that he's like, those three notes are kind of like those three notes, but just a little slower. And, and um, I feel like as we were kind of going through and connecting the pieces, we were trying to find moments that, you know, connected Appalachian Spring to Rodeo. And well, there's actually a, a little phrase in Billy the Kid that sounds like fanfare for the common man. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but I always try to like slow it down a little bit and bring it out, just waiting for one of these days when someone's like, that's the beginning of the ballet. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting because um, when Copeland was in Paris with Nadine Boulanger, um, like ballet was the thing. Like modern music and ballet were the exact, you know, kind of in the same world. And uh, I heard that Copeland saw the premiere of Les Nos mm. in, in Paris and Mio's uh, creation of the world. So he was surrounded by ballet in Paris. And I think the first piece he wrote in Paris was a ballet. Mm -hmm. So that was like all in his blood during wow. that time. Yeah. <laughs> I read that, that Stravinsky was his hero. And I also read that a lot of people comment on 
Appalachian Spring or maybe all of these different pieces of music and how they relate to Rite of Spring and how they have these really huge percussive moments and like this kind of rumbling and this sort of natural element within it. Being a musician, do you feel a connection with between Stravinsky and Copeland in a, in a way? Well, I don't know if I completely do, but uh-huh. I feel like there is kind of a really, there's a sparsity in the orchestration that they, they remind me of each other. But mm-hmm. there's definitely a, 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 a propulsive energy in, in Copeland, especially in Appalachian Spring, that just keeps you moving forward. Well, Billy the Kid, too. Billy the Kid feels like a big musical theater production to me sometimes. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm supposed to feel that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it feels um, propulsive and forward moving and and it does feel cinematic too because there are so many short sections that kind of go into another short section and another short section. And it was interesting because with Justin, um, we got together like three Mondays on our day off and we were like, how do we make these short sections like longer so we can give, you know, Indiana Woodward a solo and Ashley Hodd. And, and uh, we spent a lot of time kind of playing with how to expand some of these works but not, you know, take away their character or, or turn into something else or make it sound like a broken record player. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I gave him, you know, four or five different versions of what might work, and he kind of picked one. Mm-hmm. And then we went to our music director, Andrew Layden, and he kind of chose some and not others. And, well, also when you have a whole orchestra with, you know, how, how do we have, like 90, 100 orchestra members, when you change the music and add a repeat, it can turn into hundreds and hundreds of hours of work, mm. even adding like two measures here and there um, can, can be an enormous amount of work and can create, you know, a possibility of um, mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. when we are doing the reading and there's just not a lot of time. So we try to like simplify all our versions and our extensions. something about this episodic ballet this 80 minute epic piece that I mean it's the first full evening abstract work that we've done since Jules I think so I mean it's a very rare kind of piece for us and I know Justin keeps reiterating to all of us this is not the normal piece (laughs) you guys this is going to take extra time the organization level is a higher level of organization because of all these different elements Tell me about the organization of this piece. I know there we have three extra rep directors supporting Justin along with you, and we've given the dancers and Justin and all of the creatives an extra, at least an extra week of work. So tell us about how this is different, and especially in those good ways, the positive ways for New York City Ballet that, that make it different maybe with having slightly more time. I know Justin would argue that there's not enough time, but we are giving a little extra time because this is a very special piece. And and what is that doing for us as a company? Well, first we started, um, Rodeo was pretty much set. I know that Justin has made some changes just to make it all flow in the way that he wants it to. Um, But I think one of our first rehearsals outside of Rodeo was the Billy the Kid potted and we started that in the fall season. So just bits and pieces. I think that Justin tried to look as far away from the premiere date and see what dancers he could get. And a lot of times, I think this is how 
Alan Sheen might have created Serenade mm-hmm. with um, I'm working with whatever dancers I have kind of at collaging the time. it. Yeah, and I know it will all come together. And I think since Justin has worked outside of the ballet and has worked in um, on Broadway and on film now, the way that he builds things, I think it has to be out of sequence. And you just yes, you collage it, you collect it all, and then we lay it all out on the table. And we were very lucky to get an entire week with just the dancers working only on the Copeland Project, mm-hmm. which was amazing. We started in the very beginning, all the dancers in the studio, the entire company and of quickly, dancers. This is a big piece of choreography. How many dancers? And then there's a second cast. So, I mean, this is basically almost all the company. Yeah, dancers. we have, I think uh, a, com- a complete cast might be 32, 34 dancers and a second cast cast. and yeah and then also extras so there were um i would probably say maybe 85 percent of the company um 90 percent of the company was involved and very first thing actually justin did which is great we all sat in a circle and we um said our names we said our pronouns and we said a color we were feeling that day and that's not typical at new york city not at all you know it's like we like we hit the uh, you know hit the ground running and we just start eating up the material Mm -hmm. and this was a like an icebreaker even though we all know each other but a lot of times too we are connected to the choreographer whoever is in the front and there is some small like talking amongst the dancers or amongst the person you're working with at the time but we never have a moment to just stop and talk and you know just say and the color was perfect because we all came up with different colors and I think as we started to go no one repeated uh, another person but we tried to come up with a very specific color that day and I think mine was probably the most boring I just said black (laughs) because that's something that I was wearing and not like my feeling Mm -hmm. but that's just um I almost feel that's like the blank slate for me so Mm -hmm. and so once we started it was actually great to only focus on Copeland and for the dancers to only focus on this piece not being torn part of their day having to adjust their brains and focus on something, Balanchine or Robbins or any other choreographer. So we did have that, but we have a um, sheets and sheets of, you know, potential plans. And I would sit with Justin, you know, three, four, sometimes a week or two in advance to come up with a mock schedule of how we can get this group of dancers and maybe at the same time work with another group of dancers. And if there are four uh, rep directors, including Justin, we were able to use um, different studios simultaneously, which mm-hmm. is a rarity, mm-hmm. you know. And then once we start it with um, back with everyone else coming in, it is just trying to find that little sliver of time. And I'm now in the boat too, where I look at the clock we start, and it is the worst game show where I see the clock, the countdown, and we don't have time. But for some reason, yesterday we worked on the um, section of rodeo with five dancers. And we were moving at a snail's pace, but we were getting such detail. Mm. And I didn't think we would finish. And sure enough, we finished with five (laughs) minutes to spare. And I am always the one to find the mistakes, to fix the mistakes. That's kind of my job in a way. Mm -hmm. And Justin is very, like, right now at least, which is great, um, very, like, 
even and smooth and the energy is all right we will like slowly it's like taking a um layers of an onion off and just like but very methodically and not ripping anything and i just i want to slice it i want to <laughs> chop it up i want to throw it in the bowl and let's cook this but it all you know i know that it is it will happen mm-hmm. but as you start to create these things you do you want double the time triple the time yeah. and we don't have the luxury with that but um what was great too we did a lot during the nutcracker season and justin did make a point to tell the dancers that um as we start to go and we continue to run this this will be a nice kind of relief from nutcracker we do six weeks of Nutcracker performances and the choreography stays the same. And so during the day, you're working your brain on something new and at night you do something that feels, you know, that's like already within your DNA. So it was nice to have kind of those dual lives for the dancers through the Nutcracker. And now we all know we have just a handful of weeks before we put it on stage, before it premieres. So I love that Justin had you sit around put your pronouns out and choose a color because he's incorporated a visual artist, Jeffrey Gibson, and his work is very much about color and sort of like crazy quilts of these colors, often with words or messages in them. So to know that he did that and then to see the final result when we do, which I haven't seen this drop or the drops that he's made, but I'm such a fan to just put those two ideas together, that this kind of abstract action that you did and then this living drop just the connection of that. I love that idea. It's all connected. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Chun Wei, I know you've danced with Houston Ballet and maybe even another company before that. Mm-hmm. No. Hong Kong Ballet. Hong Kong Ballet. Mm-hmm. So very different kinds of ballet companies. And now I think New York City Ballet must be different than those companies. Oh, yeah. And how how is that? I just feel like there's something about New York City Ballet that's about the choreography mm-hmm. in it that's different than most ballet companies. So it's Very about unique. the choreography and the sort of the teamwork and the that kind of the essence of, of the, the and the democracy and of it. And I know Justin really seems to try to bring that out in his work. Tell mm-hmm. me about how he does that and how you feel about that coming from other experiences with other companies. What's special about that or different about that for you as a dancer? Yeah. So uh, with Justin, he has uh, all, all of his movement is very unique. It's very Justin when you see all the movement. So I guess add on to Craig was saying that he is very specific with what he wants because, you know, he wants certain style and movement. And we all trying to have the sense of Justin's movement out there. And now, like, I have been dancing a lot of classical ballet before. And actually yesterday... And before, too, he was asking me to be more human instead of like um, just being a prince or like a character on stage. Just be you. And that's something that it's hard for me to do. But he always challenged me to be more human, more intimate with your partner. Don't try to present something to the audience. Do it for yourself. So it, it feels good to, to do that because I have been always present a way how I stand on stage. And it always has to be perfect, but we can we can also be vulnerable too on stage, and that's something it's very rare that I have never experienced in in other companies. Yeah, and with the speed of how we rehearse, like in the one week of only rehearsing this project, 
it was very fun because usually we dance like five different ballet in one day in six hours. Every hour we have to switch gears, shoes, like sometimes sneaker, jazz shoes, no shoes, socks, and had the privilege to only work on one project. It gave us time to digest, to feel what it's right for us. And now it, it feels like a long time ago, but there's, um, I, I can feel there's a huge growth on us already. What I see from the outside, I was unfortunately never in a Justin Peck piece, but I watch how he works from afar, and he's different than anybody I've seen. And what I notice is that he treats his dancers as a team, or he tries to build a family within them. And he's kind of like, within his corrections, it feels like a hug, almost. I don't know, I could be wrong. But it feels like he's really gathering his people in so that that you're all one body of artistry. I don't know, do you feel that way? Yeah, actually my first impression when he was creating on us in Houston, he would make a movement. And he would think about it, listen to the music, and he did the movement. And he'd be like, what do you think about it? And I was like, wow, you're asking me what do I think? It, it was great. <laughs> and also, like, feels like we are collaborating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would be very comfortable to also, like, showing some of the movement. He's, oh, for example, he would ask, like, he, he just thinking out loud, he's like, how can we get up from the floor? And I would just make some movement. It was very comfortable and easy to collaborate and create with him. And I was comfortable enough to just show it and knowing that if he like it, he'll keep it. If he doesn't, he'll create it above that. There's a different energy. And I feel the dancers leave those rehearsals and, and leave those performances with a different they they're changed oh, yeah. by the experience. Would he, do you have some thoughts? Yeah, on that? I mean, I think watching his ballets, especially even being involved, I I'm so jealous that I'm not performing them. I and feel I'm, the same way. You know, and <laughs> yeah. I think it started years back. I have a story, another big ballet you did everywhere we go. I watched in the audience, and I had just come back from horrible injury, and it was the first thing I had seen the company do coming back. And I sent him a text message and I said, um, I will never repeat this again. And now I keep repeating the story. So, but this is how it started <laughs> that um, you showed this group of dancers, a lot of them who I thought I knew everything about, and you like introduced a new side of them. Mm-hmm. And they all were so connected in this amazing world that all I want to do is be a part of. And so when I see that, I love to watch, especially in studio rehearsals the ones who come in to watch for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like the one day you came in mm-hmm. with John, mm-hmm. and I sat and I kept looking at your faces just to see your reactions. Yeah. And everyone, it's like, um, everyone becomes like a kid watching mm-hmm. these things, you it's know? It's a candy store. Yeah, seriously. And then you want to talk about it. And sometimes you can't really describe even what you saw. You need to let it digest. Mm-hmm. You need to leave. And then something will pop up, and you can't wait for the next viewing because you know you didn't see it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that that before rehearsals yesterday, he even pulled us. It was a small rehearsal, the one with uh, Chan Wei and Tyler. He did a group, like, talking, and I was in the back talking to another dancer. And he was like, hey, come over here. Like, all of this is important mm-hmm. for everyone in the room. And so he wants to get this message out, this thought, you know, kind of collect everyone. So we're on a similar page. So once we start, we can just like really like delve in deep with each other instead of waiting for someone who hasn't quite gotten there. If we all start together, then where we go, we can go and feel it and live it, you know, um, as one, which Mm -hmm. is great. 
Craig Baldwin. Are you the only pianist on this no. piece? No. Well, okay. it's such a big piece. I we was going to Yeah, say, we have three does... pianists. Um, well, me, uh, Michael Scales and Susan Walters. And, yeah, we've been kind of like tag teaming. You know what I mean? Have you ever played the full thing straight through by yourself? Yes, I did. And, and what was... is that like? How do you prepare for that? You, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. Um, it was very terrifying, I have to say, in a certain way. Because sometimes in the middle of certain sections, I would be like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Or, you know, I, I, I know this, so this would be fine. And I would be thinking about, you know, the next section. And then I would mess up the section I was playing. So no, it, this is where it, it's a project. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's going to be going through the spring season, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's a, I, I do think of it as a project, like a six-month project. You know, it's, you know, keep improving, keep trying to get better, keep trying to connect with the, the dance more. I had two thoughts Tell from, me. like, things that Craig yeah. and Sean said. One was... In the original creation of Rodeo in the Five Men's Dance, Justin came in and he had the solo and it had about like seven parts. And he's like, I'm going to teach the solo to all of you. And he taught the solo to, you know, everyone. And then he's like, now how can we get five men to do this solo? And so he started putting some people on the ground doing the same movement, some people up, some people, you know, facing back to back. And um, I was trying to play along and I was getting frustrated because I'm like, how does this connect with the music? Do you know what I mean? Um, it just, every time was different. They would, you know, point their foot up in the air on this note, and then the next time we did it, it would be on another note. But what amazed me is that collectively, we all kind of found how the dance fit the music. It, it, it all turned out to, to land on the music um, kind of miraculously. And it kind of reminded me of like, you know, having a lot of paintings when you're in a new apartment and you're like, where are these going to go? And one by one, you kind of hang a painting here and and hang it there, and in the end, you have this, you know, you know, beautiful room. Uh, that, that that movement of rodeo reminded me of that for some reason. Mm. Mm-hmm. What is it that's? I mean, I've listened to Copeland music my whole life. I've always loved it. I've all. I mean, from being a kid, I don't know why, it draws me in, and it feels comfortable as an American. It has an American sound. I feel like I can see the open plane. I feel like a pioneer going through the music. What is it? How does Copeland do that? What is it about this music that resonates this the imagery that everybody gets from it? I mean, I'm assuming you guys all am I crazy? No. <laughs> you all yeah, must yeah. feel like these color like flowing and there's a picture, picture that's already painted. Yes, and it comes the, out of the uh, music mm-hmm. just by nature and how does that well, I mean, uh, in the opening of Appalachian Spring, for example, we feel like we're kind of in the countryside. And part of that is, I mean, the f- one of the first instruments we hear is like a flute. And I think that re- relates to like, you know, the shepherds in the field, you know, playing their flute, you know, whether they're tending their sheep. And, and there's also at the beginning of Appalachian Spring, there's this kind of drone. I feel like that suggests the space, you know, and distance I mean, that's as far as the prairies. He also uses like square dances and Mexican kind of themed music and just music that we associate with certain things that we already know or have experienced. Flavors, kind of. There's flavors in his music, right? I mean, I don't think anyone else can be this American as far as I know. So it's kind of a, you know, he was a genius at that. I read that he was, he's considered the dean of American (coughs) composers, like the chief. And he mentored a lot of young American composers. Mm. So he's got this father figure presence in 
American composer. He also was the music advisor for the State Department in trying to translate to you know the rest of the world what America sounded like. So I think that was I mean that was part of that was in his job description a little bit too. That's amazing. <laughs> School of American Ballet, so we're representing Balanchine's ideal of American ballet, mm-hmm. and um, I think to have this music finally, really fully in our rep soon. You know, I mean, Rodeo was one thing, and I, when I saw Rodeo for the first time, I said, "Justin, this is my first time at the Rodeo when I came to see the <laughs> yeah. show," and I, it's been one of my favorite pieces of my life. And so to have more of that, I'm super excited about that. You know what, there's something I also love about this is that I also read that I just have found so many um, layers between Balanchine and Copeland. And Copeland said, I don't compose, I assemble. Mm. Balanchine said, I don't choreograph, I assemble. Mm. Um, so I just, I love that. It seems like these, these artists from that time were really picking up on each other and thinking in a certain new way, which is very exciting, crossing genres of of artists of of artistry music painting writing dance well it's interesting i also heard that copeland was writing music for a movie called the north star as he was composing appalachian spring and some of the themes from the movie are actually in appalachian spring and the movie was also about the invasion of ukraine by the germans so um, I feel like there are some parallels to our time there. But also I think Appalachian Spring has, it is formed with episodes. Like I feel like there are pieces of this and pieces of that. Like it, it could be a film, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think Justin's work with Mr. Spielberg on right. film I think is, is very apparent in how he's kind of put it together because it's very, it's action-packed. Mm-hmm. And directorial, cinematic. Speaking of that, I, I do feel like this piece coming at this time in the world's history is sort of, it feels like to me a statement of some sort. I don't know from being on the inside of it, of democracy, mm-hmm. basically. Do you feel that this is a moment in time for this piece to come forward? Or does that not resonate necessarily? I'm, what I'm feeling is um, coming from the world stopping with the pandemic, yes. this like work in particular, where we're bringing pretty much the entire company of New York City Ballet together. And being in that room and developing new material, we've been in this hibernation and we've come back to perform, but most of the things we have performed are things that are already in our rep. So to have these brand new things, and I remember watching the first run through, there was an energy where every person in the room was glued on watching whoever was dancing. And there was one moment, Megan Fairchild hits a triple pirouette and it was a, um, it was like a sporting event. We went crazy. We've seen Megan do a triple pirouette before, but we were all like rooting for this person. And by the end, I got emotional thinking about how we were all a part of history. We're a part of this new piece. And regardless if you are first cast, if you're uh, just a cover, being a part of this, watching this being created, you are a part of a special group. And I think that that is something that we've needed for 
a long time because we didn't know where we would be, you know, even uh, a little more than a year ago. We didn't know what was going to happen. So now that we are actually creating, like planting like the footprints in the earth again, I think is um, something that we've now, we're not taking for granted. We actually, we can taste it and feel it and experience it in the real, which is amazing. It's beautiful. so excited for this piece so january 26th copeland dance episodes be there be there yeah congratulations on all this work i know it's been a real epic journey for for the creation of this but um i know that everybody's been reeling with excitement and and joy looking towards it and as it's been built people have been very excited i know the company's feeling revived and rejuvenated over this new work so congrats you guys excited for the premiere thank you Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on episode releases, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We hope to see you soon in the theater, so head over to nycballet.com to have a look at what's on stage.